I'm Jason Thomas. Welcome to the Hardway MBA, where we empower ambitious corporate professionals. That's you, right? With real-world business knowledge. We interview business leaders who are gracious enough to share their strategic insights and tactical activities to improve your business and career. If you enjoy these interviews, please spread the word because nothing says thank you as well as a referral to your friends and colleagues. Now let's dive in. Welcome, welcome, folks. This is Jason Thomas with the Hardway MBA. Uh, you have no idea how excited I am to introduce you to uh, to my guest today. Uh, Mike Weinberg has been a coach to me. Uh, I count him as a mentor, and I hope you will too at the end of this conversation. Um, Mike's written a couple of books. One, I have to say, is the second best sales book ever written, New Sales Simplified. And uh, his most recent, Sales Management Simplified, is phenomenal, and that's why I invited him here to, to talk to us about today. So, Mike, can you uh, introduce yourself just in a, a sentence or two? What do you What do you do? I don't even other than write phenomenal books. Yeah, well, first of all, you're very generous, and it's I'm as energized as you to talk with you. I've been looking forward to this, and thanks for pursuing me, and appreciate your uh, your inflated view of me and these books anyway. So that's great. I uh, you know I'm a sales guy turned consultant, and I have two specialties. One is new business development, and two has become sales management, and and we'll get into why sales management because uh, really that's the key issue to drive sales growth. Cool. So uh, we've got. Uh, I, I want to talk to you about a couple of questions. I want to try to stay focused a, a lot on uh, sales management simplified, but uh, you know I have new sales simplified. I carry it in my bag with me. It, it's a reference that I once a week I'm looking at. So. As you're uh, having talked to you about some of this before in the, the writing process and knowing how hard the, it is to birth a book, um, why in the world would you try to even follow it up? That's a great question, and and it's I appreciate the honesty behind it, and my <laughs> wife probably wouldn't, and your wife wouldn't appreciate us uh, relating it to birthing. Um, there is a uh, lot of pain, and it takes <laughs> and it takes about nine months, and a lot of other things that probably are analogous. Um, Jason, I didn't want to write this book. Um, I have a lot of business from my first book. As you and I have talked, there are a lot of sales teams that need help hunting for new business. And um, it's a, you know, that book's still very popular. It's still on the bestseller list. Um, and I love speaking and helping sales teams deal with acquiring new business. The reality is, though, I was wrong when I got into consulting. I was young and naive, and I thought I could transform sales organizations by coaching people to sell like me. And I knew I had good content and if I could just get everyone focused and hunting and telling a good story and owning their calendar and targeting strategically and doing good prospecting and running good discovery calls, all the stuff that you and I love, that we could fix sales organizations. And I was naive and I was wrong. You don't transform anything from the bottom by coaching the salespeople. If you don't deal with the leadership and the culture, you're not transforming anything for the long term. And I see so many executives that are frustrated and so many sales managers that are overwhelmed and they're the problem, both the executive oversales 
and the sales manager that I couldn't not share these stories in this book. And I wanted to hold up a giant mirror and scream and say, listen, stop pointing the finger at your salespeople. You're the problem. It's your comp plan. It's your culture. It's your micromanagement. It's your pontificating. It's you being a sales manager that lives behind your desk with your hairy head buried in your computer and all the stuff we'll probably get to you today. And, and I, I'm, you can hear me getting emotional as I describe it. Like I'm literally angry. And because I, I felt like I had to defend the, the honor of salespeople who weren't getting led or operating in cultures that were going to help them succeed. And someone had to say this. And frankly, when you look at the market, there are like 500 sales books for every book on sales management. There's just there are no sales management classic how to books. So that's why I tackled it. So are you glad you asked or sorry you asked that question? No, I'm very glad I asked. And, it, you know, it really I'm uh, three quarters of the way through the book at this point. Um, and the first the first section, I think it's the first 16 or so chapters are a real eye opener for a lot of people, I think. Um, and it, for me, in, in some ways, you really walk through what you call blunt truths about sales management. Um, which one of those are you seeing as either the most pervasive or the most damaging uh, that you're having to hold that mirror up in front of people and say, hey, this one is going to kill you. If you got to focus on one, oh. it's this one. All right. If you're only going to let me use one, I'm going to pick a really broad one that has a tail on it because <laughs> um, there's probably five or six that are really prevalent. The one big one is that sales managers spend their time in silly ways. Um, and sometimes it's their fault because they want to be the hero or they want to play fire chief and go solve their company's every problem or they want to jump into every deal um, or, or they forget their primary job and they try to help out everyone else in the company and do all kinds of stuff. So sometimes it's their issue and that keeps them from high value leadership activities that lead mm -hmm. the team and, and drive revenue. But the other part of it of why the sales managers spend their time in really goofy ways is because their companies are clueless and executives over sales have forgotten what the sales manager either forgot or didn't know what the sales manager's job is. So we've got the company. Not only does the sales manager take on all this stuff they shouldn't be taking on, which keeps them from their job. you got the company burying the manager in all kinds of crap that does not move the needle one. I don't even know what the one millimeter. Yeah, in terms of sales performance, they're they're sitting in meetings that have nothing to do with sales. I had one client I did I coached last year, and that that story is in, in the book. Um, this guy was dragged to product planning meetings, strategy meetings, uh, manufacturing uh, quality review meetings, executive committee meetings. He was required to go to like seven mandatory meetings a month that had nothing to do with his job, and every day he got 250 emails many of which required uh, a response from him. Uh, he had 22 direct reports. I mean, he had more stuff. Go wow. He couldn't have gotten to the high value activities I was paid to help him with if he wanted to. So between the manager taking on stuff they shouldn't and the company burying them in crap, the, the biggest, that's the biggest sin that managers aren't leading their people. And, and, it, and there's huge consequences to that. Yeah. So you, you really talk about, I, I like that one. And, you know, taking control of my calendar is a, it's a constant battle. I think if we're going to be successful at anything, we have to decide what's my high value activity. And then one of your tactics is time blocking and owning that calendar and giving make appointments with yourself. So you've got that right of first refusal um, to say, now that's mine. You can't take it for that meeting. The, you know, I'm surprised you didn't get to, I'm a little surprised you didn't talk about the sales culture because that chapter 11 was my favorite chapter on uh, on those blunt truths, because I think 
A, I don't think many people think about sales culture. I think we think about company culture and we think it's soft and cushy and we think about Google and Amazon and their amazing culture. Well, you and I live in a, a we don't live in a Google and Amazon uh, business model, so to speak. And a sales culture has real meaning, but I don't think people know what it means. Well, as you think about anti-sales culture or sales culture, the, the inverse of it, it help, help the audience kind of know what that yeah. means to you. Love it. Love it. Um, first of all, I'm with you. Um, culture is not a soft topic, you know, and a lot of times the people in charge of culture, you know, in quotes at the company, uh, it's a soft, feel good kind of thing. And when, when you and I talk about sales culture, that's not what I mean at all. I mean, pro sales. I mean, high performance, winning locker room, in your face accountability, goals and reports posted everywhere, um, comp plans that align with the, uh, to drive the behaviors we want to behave, um, team meetings that are honest and brutal but fun, you know, kind of the culture almost of a, of a winning sports team. Um, and and I, I, wrote, I, I spent an entire chapter in the book, instead of after I do all this bashing, there's a chapter in part two where I, I, f I figured it was time to talk about what does a great pro health, a healthy pro sales culture look like. Yeah. And instead of just making an academic list of like, here's the characteristics, I, I chose to go a different direction. And I, I described the healthiest sales culture I've ever seen from this company in Philadelphia I worked with a few years back. And I mean, it, it's the exact culture every sales guy would die to work in. The boss knows you. The boss meets with you one on one. He knows your strengths and your weaknesses. He tries to support you in your weaknesses. He removes obstacles. He stretches you as hard as he can to get more production out of you, but also uh, encourages your heart and puts big rewards out there. Um, they practice hard in sales team meetings. They use role play to a level I've never seen it used before. I'm not a big fan of role play because it's usually so awkward. This company is like role play on steroids. They practice like it's the pregame before taking the field and they make fun of each other, but with love and energy. And they, when they take the field, when they get on the phone or they get in front of someone, they are ready. Uh, they make a ton of money and, and because if they produce and their bottom performers don't make any money. I mean, everything about their culture is tough, hard, driven, about results. And I've never seen a more engaged, happier sales team in my life. And part of their part of the magic to their culture, their CEO told me, is they are brutal when they're hiring people. They do everything possible to talk someone out of working there and try to trip them up along the way because they don't want to wreck their culture. They only want people that will fit, that think high performance, that 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 want to play to win, that want to be a good teammate. And it's I mean, it's it's unbelievable. So, no, it's not soft and it is different than corporate culture. And it's amazing how rare um, it is because most senior executives don't understand sales cultures at all. So how does that fit into the overall corporate culture? Because I, I mean, there's a lot of uh, yeah, there's a lot of books about culture. And, you know, Drucker talks about culture and culture eats, eats strategy for breakfast. And I think mm -hmm. you just outlined exactly how a sales culture will eat a sales strategy for breakfast. But if you have this this uh, aggressive uh, kind of go-getter mentality within your sales team. How does that sales team then relate to your ops guys and your marketing folks? And uh, how it's do you see that hard. working? It, that's very hard because in the companies that have really great sales cultures, the truth is in those companies, sales is king. Salespeople are treated like royalty. They're making a lot of money because um, it's the opposite of what I find in most organizations where there is a low view of sales and mm -hmm. it's, it's fashionable to pick on the salespeople. I had one client where they would regularly and categorically deny credit for sales success to the salespeople. 
They would they would credit operations and marketing and uh, and engineering for for all this great all this great work the sales team was doing, and they would take the credit from the salespeople. And I worked in another company. In fact, it's a crazy story. I won't name names, but a woman that I actually tell the story about in the book, who was a controller at a company where I worked, who took arbitrary commission deductions off of salespeople without explaining herself why. No one trusted the way she worked or her numbers. She's out of work right now. And she sent me a note on LinkedIn and asked me for a referral and could I be a reference for her? And I thought, clearly you haven't read my book. And I wrote back and said, I'm sorry, I can't help you. I wouldn't put this woman in any company where she could torture another sales team. Right. You know, so it's very hard because companies that um, that are really pro sales need to understand that in the battle between sales and operations, you better pick sales. Yeah. You know? And 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 it's it's that's a very that's not a very popular mentality. Let's just say that. Yeah. So I I could go down we could go down that track for a long time. I want to take a look again at the the individual people that it takes to feed a culture like that. I mean, people make culture, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, the culture you described is not for the faint of heart. I mean, as you were describing that, there's, you know, uh, 80% of me that's getting excited and wants to figure out who this client is of yours and go work there. I'll mm-hmm. move my family to Philadelphia. It sounds that good. Maybe not, but um, the, the Phillies aren't that good. Um, and then there's 20% of me that, you know, stays hidden in the corner and is is kind of timid, timid and a little scared of those kind of things, right? Mm-hmm. And we all have that in us. How is that how, – how do you find the people that will excel there? That's a great question. I think, I think they're looking for real salespeople who, who want to win, who aren't scared of losing, who aren't scared of conflict who want to be pushed and stretched. Uh, I don't think it's much, you know, we live in St. Louis, so, you know, I'm sure we got a lot of folks in your audience that are, that are local people too. Um, you know, there's the Cardinal way and, you know, the Cardinals have become the new Yankees, right? Everyone hates us because we win. And it's kind of a, it's kind of an honor, right? But mm-hmm. the truth is you watch the Cardinals, you, you look in the dugout, you see those guys are having a lot of fun. Are, are, is there a standard? Yes. Do you hustle? Do you do things with class? Do you do them the right way? Absolutely. Um, and are there people probably that come would come to the Cardinals and be a little scared they can't live up to it? Maybe. But I think the truth is you get in the locker room and you get mentored by a veteran and you see the class of the ownership and of the right. general manager and of the manager and the way things are done. And you start acting like that. And, you know, yeah. culture lifts everybody. In fact, the guy that I was describing to you at the, the Philadelphia company, after about an hour in that guy's organization, I sat down in the, in the CEO's office and I said, what is going on here? I go, this is rare and I can feel it. And he leaned forward in his chair and he said, Michael, everything flows from culture. And he knew it, you know, and culture, he, he they were going to do everything they could do to protect their culture. And I think when people get in that environment, it raises their game and they they can't believe it really exists. Yeah. So it, let's let's play out a scenario that I think is probably happening all over uh, all over the country right now. Um, I'm a, I'm a new sales manager. I've just been promoted or, you know, I've come up from the ranks of, uh, individual contributor. I've probably done pretty well to get a promotion. Right. Mm -hmm. So I know how to sell as a frontline sales manager. What are the first steps that I can take to make that culture? I mean, you, you painted the the great big picture and the wonderful place that we want to be, but you know, we're probably not there today. How do we, how do we just crack that door open and, and start? Yeah, well, let me start with something that maybe you're not expecting me to answer, and then I'll, I'll circle back to the more traditional answer. 
the, the very most important thing for a new sales manager, particularly someone who is promoted from the ranks of salespeople, is coming to grips with the reality that your new job is nothing like your old job. There is nothing similar about sales management and salesperson except the word sales. Uh, one guy lives by being completely selfish and blocking out other people and focusing on his or her own priorities and um, just locked in on what they need to do. And the manager job is the exact opposite, where you don't win on your own, you win through your people. And you do need to be available to your people. And you do need to deflect the glory and the credit. One of the greatest sins of sales managers is those who, who want to become the hero instead of make the heroes. And mm -hmm. nothing will deflate a sales team and kill your culture worse than the manager that wants the limelight. And he spends his time throwing the salespeople under the bus. A great sales manager does the opposite. He gets in the way. He takes the bullets, he removes the obstacles, and he builds up his team. You want to engage the hearts and build the culture? Start with that. Communicating to your people that it's about them and their success, and you're there to remove their obstacles and help them win bigger. And you know you only win when the team wins. So I'd say that's number one is recognizing the jobs are different, and you make it very clear to everybody you're not there to compete with them, and you're not there to be the hero. You're there to make heroes. And I really expand on that in a chapter in the book that borrows from a great leadership book called Multipliers by uh, Liz Weisman. Um, the second thing I'd say, Jason, is, and this is the hard part, and this is the story I tell in chapter one in my first sales management role mm -hmm. where I was going to die. And I ended up struggling so bad, I called my dad and said, help me, I'm dying. What do I do? And he laughed at me and said, congratulations. Now you know this is the hardest job in the world because everybody wants a piece of you. Mm -hmm. The president's not happy with results. The CFO's pissed about margins, expenses, right? Discounting. Uh, the marketing people don't like how you're handling their product and their literature. Like the customers are using you as a punching bag. Your high maintenance salespeople never leave you alone. Your, your rookies are, and losers are scattered in their shadow. Like, can we not all relate to this? So the reality is it's a really hard job with all kinds of pressure and you're being pulled a million directions. And if you don't get a grounding in your absolute priorities and your high value activities to A, build that culture you're discussing, Jason, and B, drive huge sales results, you're going to fail. Because if you let other people tell you what the job is and dictate how you spend your time, you are screwed. Mm -hmm. So aside from understanding it's a very different job, the next thing would be you've got to carve out time. And you went, started going down that path earlier when you talked about time blocking. My argument, and I spell this out in the second half of the book, I think the three highest value activities for the sales manager are one – one-on-one -on -one meetings with your people. I mean, one-on-one, -on -one, not how you doing in the hallway, but sit down in an office, scheduled one-on-one -on -one with two goals, accountability, and number two, coaching. And we don't have time to get into all that, but one-on-one -on -one meetings regularly, re re review results, pipeline and activity in that order, and then coaching on opportunities and on, on sales. Uh, high activity number two, sales team meetings. That's your chance as the leader to set some tone, to communicate, to engage, align, equip your team. You need to have good sales team meetings, whether they're on the phone, they're by video, or they're in the same room, and we can argue forever how often they should be. That's not important. Great productive meetings. So one is one-on-one -on -one meetings, two is sales team meetings, and number three is field work, which is a big term for whether you're getting in some sales guy's car or airplane to go out in the field with him, or today inside sales is so popular, it could just be sitting in a cube with your inside salesperson who's making calls and right. interacting with customers or running a web meeting. Uh, and if what would happen, here's my, here's my question and challenge, and I'm sure we're getting low on time with you here, my, to sales leaders and managers, what would happen to sales performance 
if sales managers spent 80% of their time, 80% meeting with their people one-on-one -on -one to look at results in the coach, leading great sales team meetings that energize, aligned, and equip the team, and number three, worked alongside their people in front of customers to, to mentor, to coach, to observe, to give feedback. What would happen to sales results if we had managers, that's how they spent their time, instead of with their head buried in a CRM screen or sending threatening emails on Sunday mornings or getting direct to corporate crap, you know, where they're sitting in meetings talking about nonsense that have, don't help the sales team or the sales results at all. I mean, you hear my passion, like, well, I, I mean it. Why did I write the book? Because that's what I think should be happening. And I yeah. don't see that anywhere. Yeah. Well, you see it in one or two places. <laughs> yeah, one enough. or two is not enough. Yeah. Not enough. Yeah. So I have one more question for you. And I don't think you cover this in the book. And I don't know that you've put much thought into this. So I, I'm going to uh, – is a, maybe a little outside your comfort zone. I like it. So I got a zinger coming here. All right. Well, maybe. All right. Um, so two books, New Sales Simplified and Sales Management. Um, I personally, I'm an, I'm an individual contributor. I, I, I am a sales guy and, you know, breaking open new, breaking open new businesses is, is what I love to do. If I want to become a sales manager, if I want to climb the corporate ladder and knowing these jobs are very different and yet other people don't know they're very different necessarily, how do I position myself a, to get that promotion and B, you've talked a lot about how to be successful once I get that promotion. But so let's focus yes. mostly on the A. How do I, how do I position myself to get to that next rung on the ladder? All right, I'm going to give you a curveball back for the first part of my answer. Shoot. And that is, I would be really darn sure you want that job. I regularly try to talk top producing salespeople out of sales management jobs, because typically it's more pressure, more headaches, less freedom, and less money. So I just want everyone to understand, you, you, you incredible top producers that are listening to this that aspire to sales management, just make sure you know what you're asking for. Be careful what you pray for because it is less, usually less money and it is more headaches and uh, a whole lot less freedom. So just having said that, make sure it's what you want because it's in the career path. And I have friends. I got a guy in Oklahoma right now is a good buddy, uh, old client of mine. He's about to make the leap. He's been a president's club guy for years and he's wants sales management and he's going to go do it. And he's, he's grounded, and I wish him great success, but he knows what he's in for. He's going right. in with open eyes. Um, I would say the thing you really need to do to prepare yourself is to study leadership and get around good leaders. Mm -hmm. The problem with sales management is not that people don't know how to sell. The problem is a lot of people in sales management roles are not really good leaders because, unfortunately, nobody mentored them. Mm -hmm. and, and in the old days, and I'm old enough with enough gray hair to go, you know what? When I was young, guys mentored me. And I was mentored by like real business executives that took an interest in developing my skills and showing me how to lead. And my early sales managers, those were, it was pre-CRM, pre-email, pre-cell phone. You know how guys used to manage? They'd call you or they'd fly out to your territory and work with you. So I got to watch how that worked. And a lot of, I'm biased. I mean, I tell some funny stories in the book about working in the field with my sales manager where he wasn't thumbing through his iPhone you know, responding to emails and handling other stuff when he was with me, he cared about me when he was with me. Right. Because you know, that was the way it works. So my, my coaching would be, if you guys want to, if you want to move into leadership and management, then study leadership and management and get around good leaders and good managers and go read the leadership challenge book and other books that are about huge leadership things, because that's the skills that you need to take it to the next level. Yeah. I, and I think your, uh, your advice about know what you're asking for is, is, 
might be the place to start and it might be the place to finish for a lot of folks. Mm. Um, I, so interestingly, you may not have a choice. If, you're, if your goal is to be the CEO somewhere, you're going to have to not be an individual contributor. So you may have to bite the bullet and, and uh, learn to lead. Right. And you might look at it as, as a season, you know, in your career where you're going to go, right. okay, I'm going to give up some freedom and maybe even some financial reward in the short term because I got to learn this management thing and I'm right. going to, I'm going to take on that effort. So, right. It's good. So real quick questions. Uh, your favorite business book that you haven't written, which I'm sure your favorite business book is not one that you've written anyway. So, yeah, boy, I, I, there's a couple, I mean, going way back, uh, my, one of the first books I read when I was like right out of college was In Search of Excellence, Tom Peters, you know, talk about yeah. stuff. Uh huh. I went to work for a company in the 90s that made me read The Great Game of Business by Jack Stack. I love Street Jack Stack. Missouri. Um, favorite business books. Uh, I, I, I'm curious. Let me ask you a question. Your number yeah. one sales book, is it is it Mahan Kalsa's book or what? what's your number one? When it's you Mahan Kalsa's book, yeah. Okay. It's uh, Let's that, Get Real or Let's Not Play. Okay, dude, that's on my – you and I have talked about that I think way yeah. back years ago. That's on my list too. That book transformed me. I was working at a tech company where I was struggling and everyone was dictating sales process. And I thought no one, my own company didn't understand it and the customers didn't understand it. And I read that book and I was like, thank you, Mahan Kalsa, for saying what I thought was right, but in a much better way than I could ever say it. So yeah, yeah let's get real. It's I always butcher the, butcher the title. It's let's get real or let's not play. Yep, that's it. Yeah, yeah and that's one of them too. So there's there's a few of my favorite books. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today, Michael. I, it is wonderful to talk to you. We will have to get together and uh, and you know get face to face in St. Louis, and we can't ever see each other. No, I think I owe you lunch. For, this is my favorite interview yet. You, I love the, your questions in this format. So thanks for having me on. I'm totally honored. And I uh, my one my one closing thought for your folks is this book is not just for sales managers and executives. If you if you care about sales management and you want to see what a great culture looks like or your company needs some help, grab this book. Grab this book and take a look at it. You'll you'll learn a lot, even if you're in an individual producer role. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I uh, you can expect to hear a, a little extra at the end of this, where I'm going to hype your book a little bit more because there are some points I want to make that we just didn't have time to get to today. Awesome. Um, so thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Mike. Thank you, Jason. This is great. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. Uh, Jason Thomas here with you. Uh, it, wasn't that a great interview with Mike? Mike is a wonderful guy. Uh, if you need to connect with Mike on uh, on Twitter, at Mike underscore Weinberg, W-E-I-N-B-E-R-G, or you can find Mike at newsalescoach.com. The other book we talked about, obviously, uh, Sales Management Simplified and New Sales Simplified. If you're in sales, if you've thought about being in sales, New Sales Simplified is the read for opening new business. And from a, a simple strategy through diligent execution, Mike covers it all in terms that even I can understand. So it's got to be good. Uh, one of the things that uh, we're doing here at Hardway MBA, folks, is really trying to get you ready for 2016. Take Mike's stuff. If you're in sales, you're going to dig into that and you're going to get ready for, for next year. 
if you're in sales or not, you need to be thinking about your 2016 plan a little bit differently than I see most folks doing it. I see a lot of people have a business plan, uh, uh, business owners anyway. I don't know. I don't see a lot of department heads with great business plans. I don't see any professionals in my life with uh, a, a business plan and a personal plan combined together. So we've put that together, a framework that will help you mash those two together because you've got one life. You can stop trying to balance it and just live it because that's the way it's that's that's the way to do it. Find that at hardwaymba.com/2016plan. That's hardwaymba.com/2016plan. It's a framework that will guide you through what are my objectives, what metrics am I gonna, how am I gonna move the needle on on key performance indicators. What specific behaviors uh, am I going to engage in, when, and how does all of that come together in a one cohesive plan? What do I need to learn? What are the threats that I face today that I may not get this done? Download it. Have a look. Plan an afternoon. Plan some time to think it through. Let me know what you think. Uh, At Hardway MBA or HardwayMBA.com. Jason at HardwayMBA.com. Any way you want to get a hold of me, love your feedback. The show is based on your feedback. If you have guests that you'd like to hear, let me know. If you have uh, people you think we need to talk to or topics you think we need to talk about, Jason at HardwayMBA.com is the best way to get that to me. Look forward to talking to you soon. Take care.